politics, life, Cross Kitchens, Kansas City's home remodeler, presents Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, online at crosskitchenskc.com. The condescending tone of liberals is the topic of today's episode of KKHI. Thank you for being with us. Happy Christmas week. Merry Christmas week, I guess it's a better way to say it. It's so great to have you here with us. As they try to deflect attention away from all the weird goings on in Washington, D.C., liberals come up with all kinds of funny things to write about around the holidays. And there's a stunning one that my good friend Stan Weber alerted me to on Monday evening, which I really, really enjoyed him chatting with him about the topic of a story in the Washington Post, because, you know, we don't want to be talking about Democrat senator aides having gay sex in a Senate hearing room and videotaping it, putting it in a group chat room. We don't want to talk about that. Whether Ben Cardin knew about it, how he hired him and promoted him, whatever. We don't want to talk about Biden and that bizarre Secret Service moment on Sunday night when the drunk driver slammed into one of the cars of his motorcade. And Biden stood there stunned like a deer in headlights, and the Secret Service didn't know what to do. No, we did all that on the Patreon podcast Monday. That's why uh, I encourage any of you, if you'd like to, for Christmas, give yourself the gift of a patron subscription at KKHI. Uh, for, for example, on Mondays, we do all football, all sports on the regular podcast, but then catch up with the news of the weekend and all the other goings-on and, and a lot of the political stuff that you may like. We do that for the patrons only on Mondays, or at least we do during football season, not every Monday but during football season, and that's what we did on this Monday. So if you'd like to get that patron podcast, my thoughts on the Biden incident, the gay sex incident, and all those different things that happened, uh, you can sign up at kkhasissues.com. It's easier on your laptop or your desktop. So many of you say, I've meant to do it, I've meant to do it, and I haven't done it. There's usually three premium podcasts there each week. We put a newsletter out on Monday night. If you'd like to receive the newsletter, if you sign up this week, I will forward you the newsletter that we sent out. On Monday night, it's sort of a special Christmas newsletter. If you'd like to get that, just go to kkasissues.com and get signed up. Just click on Become a Patron. It's very simple. It's only 5 bucks a month. We've never raised the price. We're not going to. And we appreciate anybody that wants to sign up and take part of this. We did a couple of great things this year with different charities, and the patron program is a big part of that. And we thank the patrons for supporting the podcast and some of the great things that we can do with charitable endeavors and Christmas endeavors that we don't talk a lot about here, but um, we were obviously grateful to have uh, Susan on from the Christmas Shining Star program. That was fun, and we loved helping and supporting them in any way we can. Of course, what Mike Robinson's done with his toy drive at Roberts Robinson Chevrolet GMC in Excelsior Springs, we were more than happy to just be a part of that, take a bunch of toys up there, and so many of you contributed to that as well, so we thank you very much. But That's part of what the patron program is. If you'd like to sign up, kkasissues.com is the place to go get those other stories. All right, on to today's lead, and that is a story in the Washington Post, as I mentioned, that Stan Weber alerted me to. And this one is, let me me rewrite their headline for them, because they wrote this convoluted Washington Post-esque headline that basically said, and then they wrote maybe four or five paragraphs, We did a massive study. We did all this research. We have all these people and all this Amazon money behind us. And so we studied and we studied and we studied and we researched because, you know, journalism in the light of dark, democracy dies. No, this is the Washington Post. They set out with a goal. Let me me rewrite their headline. The, The goal they set out with was to put a headline on a story, which they can't really do, but to write a story that says football is for losers. That's it. That's it. If you play football, 
you're a loser. We're not talking about fans because we admit that they even admit that the, with the NFL, a lot of liberals are fans of the NFL and watch the sport. But if you play football, you are a loser. And they now have the scientific facts and they will prove this. And the way they judge whether you're a winner or a loser in the world is the way you vote. That's it. That's what the entire story is about. If you're a liberal, you're a winner. If you're a Trump voter, you're a loser. And we've decided that football players are losers. Loser, loser, loser. And I'm not talking about just NFL players. I'm talking all the way down to grade school, junior high, things of this nature. It is absolutely remarkable what they did. They came up with scientific data that where people vote for Donald Trump, you know, in those dumber, poorer states with stupid people, more kids play football. Increasingly more kids play football in places like, oh my God, Mississippi and Alabama. Can you imagine those poor, dumb people in Alabama and Mississippi allowing their children to play football and risking injury and concussion and all these things? Part of my discussion that I had with Stan, before I read a piece from this story, which will blow you away, part of my discussion with Stan, I said, you know, this started over a decade ago. When they started in on concussions, it was liberals trying to kill football. They want it to go away. It is a cultural phenomenon in America that is overwhelmingly conservative. The sport itself, the way the sport is played is conservative. There is no racism in football. There is no gender bias in football. It's pure. Football is the pure sport. And we watch it. And so they come up with, oh my God, people can get concussions and die. And that's why suicides are happening, all these things. The life expectancy for a professional football player has always been bad. It's like going out there 16 times a year and putting yourself in a car wreck. It's always been that way. Evil Knievel made a decision one time in his life to jump motorcycles over cars. All right. All kinds of people are out there climbing mountain, free climbing on mountainsides where they can fall to their death and they do. People make choices to do something for a living because they feel alive, because they're part of something. It's not as simple as there's money to play professional football. If it was just that, these players would play a couple of years, make $8 million and quit. No, no, no. This is about quality of life. Most of us, most people, have a strong desire to feel alive every day. Most people don't want to sit at home in fear every day and be a shut-in. Most people. Now, some of that's changing with COVID, and some of it changes with things like this concussion stuff that came out. And the movie Concussion was devastating to football and kids playing football. Moms got scared all over the country. They started pulling their boys out saying, you can't play. I'm scared to death. This was the left trying to kill football. Make no mistake about it. It was the left trying to kill football but it didn't work. Now, post-COVID, we have all kinds of conservatives in America, people who are football families, who played football. The dads played football. The mom maybe was a cheerleader or on the drill team or in the band or the pep squad and grew up around football. And it's a huge cultural phenomenon in their families. And this is not unique to Trump states. This is everywhere. It's all over California. It's all over New York. There's all kinds of liberal states where football is so important to millions of people in this country. And what they watched the left do was try to kill the sport with concussion scares. And then they saw them double down with COVID and say the same people that tried to kill football tried to kill it again 
because literally they had experts saying, if we play football during COVID, players will die. Offensive linemen will line up just inches away from defensive linemen. They will breathe on each other and players will die. That's what they said. And so now the dumb, poor people in America have used what? Common sense instead of an Ivy League diploma and said, you know what? These people are full of spit and we're not listening to this crap anymore. And so the Washington Post points out that in 2012, overall in America, 67% of American parents would encourage their kid to play football. It is now down to 63%. But here's where it fell. This is crazy. Liberal households in 2012, before the concussion stuff, were 63% likely to recommend football to their kid. That is now 44%. So it's dropped almost 20 points of families that are liberals, liberal parents that would allow their kids to play football. But conservatives now have gone up from 2012, then all the concussion BS and all the COVID BS. Now conservatives were 70% likely to encourage their kid to play football. It's now 75% of conservatives are likely to encourage their kid to play football. And part of that is they know it drives the liberals crazy. So the Washington Post is freaking out that in dumb places where people are stupid and poor, like Mississippi and Alabama and other conservative states, they're playing more football. It's you're one and a half times. They're playing more 1.5 times as many football players in these poor, dumb Trump states. Now, you know my take on this. The happiest people in America are Trump voters. A plumber making $100,000 watching his kid play high school football in Alabama or Mississippi is significantly happier and living a much better quality of life than some art history major from Penn or Cornell who's miserable and at some demonstration and throwing paint all over herself or doing whatever. We know this. These people are miserable. They're scared. They're miserable. And right now, we're going to wrap this all up in a moment with a, a clip, that I'm an audio clip that I'm going to play for you from a man named uh, Luke Rudkowski, who's phenomenal, says that they're so afraid that they are backed in the corner right now. They're a foaming at the mouth animal, rabid animal. They're so scared of Trump voters and Trump again. It, and this is exactly where they are. So that's correct. This story has a tone of absolute fake concern that they're worried for these parents who are Trump voters allowing their kids to play football. My God, these kids are at risk. But there's no mention in there about the crazy liberal parents who are putting six jabs over two years into their four-year-old for COVID and the flu. It's insane. These people have lost their mind. And you know they've lost their mind because I'm going to read a passage from this story that is so enlightening and so condescending and so arrogant, it will blow your mind. It reads, while participation is falling almost everywhere, the Post found boys in the most conservative, poorest states continue to play high school tackle football at higher rates than those in wealthier and more politically liberal areas. The politicization of the concussion crisis is forging deeper divisions between those who support youth football and those who don't. And while precise data about football's racial makeup is really hard to come by, the demographics appear to be gradually shifting. Among kids and teens, white and black players, I'm sorry, white and black males are playing tackle football at declining rates, while Hispanic boys increasingly take up the sport. In college, the proportion of white players is declining and that of black players rising at faster rates than national demographic changes. Well, no kidding. 
as there's more scholarship opportunities for black players to play and more black players play. Wow, they're winning more scholarships over the white players. Shocking. Who would have guessed? When I turn my TV on and watch football, who would have guessed that? I mean, come on, Washington Post. This is pathetic. They go on. High schoolers in states that voted for former President Donald Trump in 2020 played football last year at a rate 1.5 times as high as those in states that went for Biden. The Post found this is a significant divide. The poll results revealed that liberals are increasingly more likely to discourage children from playing football while conservatives are just about as likely to remember the sport as 2012, in fact, in fact gained by three points. Here's the quote, and this is the entire story, and this is so arrogant and condescending and pathetic. The quote is from an associate professor of sociology at something called Skidmore College who studied the demographics of football participation. His name is Andrew Lindner. And this is the main money quote of the story, the first quote of the story in the Washington Post. Quote, there seems to be a very disturbing possibility that who your dad voted for in the presidential election could influence your risk for a very serious football-related ailment or injury, unquote. There it is. If you're if you're born into some home with some stupid white guy that voted for Trump, oh my God, this is dangerous for the kids. These, these dangerous Trump-voting white dads are harming their children. These are terrible dads. They're ruining our country. The white dad is ruining the country. It always comes back to that. They had four or five paragraphs. They're talking about the research they did. They're busting out statistics, but you know what it always comes back to? The root of the story in the Washington Post is white men are evil. Evil. And that's the quote of the story. A disturbing possibility that who your dad voted for could influence your risk for injury. Oh my God, what is wrong with these people? Can you imagine their meetings, what that's like at the Washington Post? For them sitting around all day, trying to discuss what kind of story to come up with to bash white dads again? Like, white dads are pretty good. They're pretty good to their kids. They teach them a lot. You know what they teach them about? They teach them about America and conservatives, and they don't like that. They're not big on that. The Washington Post. Great story. Thank you, Stan, for pointing that out to me. And I guess it shouldn't be that surprising. Now, I want to tie it together with a clip here that I'm going to play for you. This is on something called the TimCast. Many of you send me emails and you're fans of the TimCast. I've seen the TimCast. This is at the big uh, event they had in Phoenix over the weekend. The Charlie Kirk was there, and Tucker Carlson's on the stage. Charlie Kirk, Tim Cast is the podcaster, and there's a fourth panelist named Luke Rudkowski. And he's wearing a T-shirt that says Epstein didn't Epstein himself. And the discussion is the election year, voter fraud, machines failing, and all this stuff. And I've said this many times before. Something's going to happen here over the next year that we can't predict. The Democrats haven't planned. They know what they're coming up with. We just don't know what it is yet. But this man articulated it in a much better way than I ever possibly could. So I want you to hear in his words, Luke Rudkowski, talking about what's about to happen in this election year from these cornered animals. You know what I mean? Yeah. We we have to understand, people don't relinquish power peacefully. The establishment has a lot of power that they're abusing right now. We're dealing with criminals. We're dealing with individuals that have committed psyops, that have committed horrible atrocities on the people 
of the world, that have started wars, that have started literal gene splicing, chemical, biological warfare against the people. So we, we have to understand there's going to be something that's going to be happening here that we should be absolutely paying attention to as we're dealing with uh, essentially a multi-trillion dollar propaganda machine, mm. but it is being wrecked by shit posters and memes. Yeah, <laughs> it is well, being destroyed by individuals speaking truth to it. It is being destroyed by individuals coming together, coalescing and saying enough is enough of this bull crap. I am done. My life has value. I am standing up for myself. I am standing up for this country. And that is a danger to the establishment that they fear. And in that fear, we're dealing with a cornered animal. That cornered animal is yeah. dangerous and they could act out in many different ways. I, and I, they're capable of anything. They're capable of something that we can't even imagine. I mean, you can't state it any better than that. It's coming. We don't know what it is and it could be dire. We simply don't know. It could be another virus. I mean, they've tried everything. They, they do everything to scare Americans, to frighten people, to stay home. Well, people can't get to the polls. We got we to gotta mail in the ballots. We got to do this. We have to have drop boxes. We have to have all these different things because, you know, people are scared. You shouldn't leave your house. It's just control, folks. It is just control. And he stated that beautifully. It is coming. I don't know what it is. I don't know if people are going to believe it or not. Reince Priebus said the simplest, most brilliant thing I've heard so far in this election cycle. He was on one of the Sunday shows. Reince Priebus used to be the head of the Republican National Committee. He helped get Trump elected in 2016. Now he's off making millions of dollars for himself. I wish he were running the RNC again or somebody capable were running it, but, but they're not. But Priebus is on there and was asked a pretty simple question. What's the deal? Why is Trump leading in the polls? We don't know. Because, you know, George Stephanopoulos and these people are sitting there like, well, how's this happening? What's, what's going on? What? This is not, what? Right. Please help us because, you know, we're liberals. We don't get it. What's going on? Wrights Priebus said, quote, people are looking for a bigger middle finger this time than they were in 2016, unquote. And that is exactly right. Americans are pissed. Americans are pissed at the way the country's going, but it's more than that. They're pissed at the way they individually are treated by their government, by the lockdowns, by the shutdowns, by being told what you can and can't do, by drinking out of a paper straw instead of a plastic straw, by being told you have to have an electric car by 2030, by information gathering, by all of the things that they're doing. Americans are sick of it. The government is too big, it's too powerful, and Americans are sticking their middle finger up. And Reince Priebus said it. People are looking for a biddle, bigger middle finger this time around than they were in 2016. That is exactly right. That is exactly what Americans are looking for. All right, if you're looking for a last-minute holiday gift, I wrote about this in the patron post, the newsletter, that I shop late. My uh, shipping window is pretty much closed. So I shop late, and I like shopping alone. Uh, for the people that I love, and I'll be doing this over the next few days. If you're like me, and you're, you know, it's like being an election day voter. You get stuff late. Here you go. Here's three great ideas for you. The first is B-Stock at 14680 South Flaming Road in Olathe. They love KKHI customers. They walk in and say they didn't know there was a retail showroom. It's small. It's not fancy, but this is a discount electronics store. They're able to grab an item right out of the warehouse for any customer. They'll get right on a computer with you and find something in their warehouse for you if you'd like. They love connecting with KKHI members, so please visit bstock.net, 14680 South Flaming Road, Nolatha. They have a $349 LG 65-inch smart TV. They have Acer Chromebooks, regularly $429, just $229 right now. 
The Spin 512 is a convertible laptop. Screen can fold backwards. It's almost like a tablet. It has touchscreen as well. Just $229, regularly $429. And they're doing big deals on Samsung TVs. They've got a 70-inch for $399. Go check out 25% off more of those prices for a TV with a scratch on the side. Scratch and dent items. 14680 South Flaming Road in Olathe. Joslyn's Jewelry is the most traditional American holiday shopping experience you can have. If you want to buy something for somebody you love and give it as a great gift, visit Joslyn's this week. This is, this is old school. It is traditional Americana. There are no commission sales reps. It feels like Christmas. They are devoutly Christian. These are wonderful people that will treat you right and find something beautiful for the one you love. 95th and Antioch in Overland Park. Please mention my name when you go in there. Probably going to save you a buck or two, to be honest. I've been affiliated with Joslin's for decades now. These are great, great people. Ask for Gary, Dave, or Cameron, uh, one of the guys. They're all big fans of KKHI listeners, and they would love to help you find something from $50 to $5,000, depending on what you want to spend this holiday season at Joslin's Jewelry, 95th and Antioch in Overland Park. And the Finch Knife Company, you can probably overnight a knife no matter where you live still. If you'd like to get a pocket knife for a friend, as a great gift from Finch Knife Company, but you can walk into Shields and get one. They have in the case at Shields in Overland Park. They also have in the bullet hole at Mission and Teague Tractor in Belton, Finch Knife Company. This is a wonderful gift for someone on your list. Keep life from getting dull with a Finch pocket knife this Christmas. Okay, we got some polling data. This one was interesting. I'll give you a sec. Before I give you the answer, I'll let you think about it for a moment or two. The question is, um, do you like a certain politician? in Congress. So the White House is out. They're asking, this is, do you like them? And there's one that stands out as the lowest rated person in Congress. Now that's the House and the Senate, the lowest rated person. I'll get you that in a moment. The lowest rated person. Think about who you think that is. Uh, meanwhile, in New York Times poll, Joe Biden is down two more points to 37%. It's his low and experts on the left are saying it's going to continue, and more and more people on the right, on on both sides are saying what I've said all along. He will not be the candidate. They will replace him at the convention. It will be a hurried-up deal that will come at some point next summer where Biden will say, I'm stepping out, I don't feel good, I'm worried about my health or something, and it will become a free-for-all within the party where Barack Obama will basically choose Kamala Harris, Gavin Newsom, or... Uh, God, his name's slipping my mind now. What about the uh, minority leader in the House of Representatives? Cory uh, Booker? No, he's a senator. Anyway, you can see it happening. You can see the possibilities of these things, that Obama's going to do this, and most people are now saying this, and the polls don't lie. Look, the polls don't favor Republicans in any way, ever. They're always underpolled. We, we know how this works. And we know that the polling is always a couple of points off in favor of the Democrat. And Trump is right now, the vote were today, winning by a landslide. It's over. It's not even close. He wins in a landslide today. Dunzo. And each month, it's getting worse for Joe Biden. It should. He's doing a terrible job. And Americans see that. He's just bad for America. And he's incompetent and he's old. Everybody sees this. The lowest rating for anyone in Congress at 6%, 6%, one politician in Congress. And it makes sense now if you think about it because 
Everyone on the left hates this guy and everyone on the right hates this guy. <laughs> now that's your clue. Oh, and this person's really old and this person's been sick and incompetent. Nobody likes this person. Mitch McConnell is the worst politician in America. The worst. And it's insane that there is not a coup in the Senate. There, it's just insane at this point that Josh Hawley is not in there running this thing for our party because he's the man. He's the guy to run it. I don't think there's any question Josh Hawley's the guy. Oh, there's others that'd be fine that I'd be okay with. Josh Hawley should be the leader of the Senate maybe for decades unless he decides to run for president at some point or something like that. He should be in charge of the conservative wing in the Republican Party of the United States Senate. And Mitch McConnell somehow is still in power, which is astonishing. He is the least liked politician in America. And it's not close. Crazy. Just keeps doing his thing. Oh, the state of Kansas has a new license plate. You remember this. You're going to like it. Everybody likes this story. Because, you know, Kansas governor screwed up, which most of the people that live in Kansas in this audience laugh at and love that. And of course, if you live in Missouri or you're Missouri and you love it because the idiot governor of Kansas designed a license plate that was Mizzou colors <laughs> and people in Kansas went, wait, wait, you cannot have a license plate that looks like a Missouri Tigers. You just can't do it. So it was official. It was done. The license plate that wouldn't look like Mizzou was done. And the backlash was swift and overwhelming. And the governor said, okay, we'll do an online vote. We'll put up five different license plates and let Kansans vote on it. Whichever one gets the most votes wins. They've done that. 270,000 votes are in and the license plate is better, but it still sucks. To be honest, it's not good. It's better, but it's not good. It proves to us the government kind of sucks, right? I mean, every time the government tries to do something, they screw up. Now, how'd they screw this one up with their five choices? Here's your answer. There's a man named Ben Tegmeyer that sounds like, by the piece that I read, sounds like maybe he's a conservative, and he has an ad agency in Eudora, and he's a design guy. So he does logos and things for businesses. I think his agency is called BT, his initials, Ben Tegmeyer. And so BT Advertising or Marketing or whatever in Eudora, he designed a license plate that is, I'll just say it, I've, I've seen all 50 plates. This isn't close. This is the best plate in America if we took it in Kansas. It is, this is not even close. It's the best. Now, it may cost a little more to make. I don't know, a couple more pennies or something. I'm not sure because it's really cool. The one I, I, I like the symbol of South Carolina with the palmetto tree and the moon. I like South Carolina. There's some other states that I like a lot. This one blows everything away. It's not, so how did it not win? Well, it would have won, except the governor wouldn't allow it to be one of the five voted on. She wants a bland, boring, plain, liberal-looking plate. We know the difference. The one Ben Tegmeyer came up with had buffaloes on it, the Flint Hills, a prairie, a beautiful sunflower, and a sunset that if people from other states saw it would look at it and go, wow, Kansas looks pretty cool because the Flint Hills almost look like mountains on this license plate. You know, the wrap on Kansas is it's flat. It's really not flat. The eastern half of Kansas is not flat at all. Western half gets pretty flat, but it's such a big state. There's all kinds of different changes in the landscape. 
it's so gorgeous and so beautiful. I'm so disappointed. When I saw the one that was voted in, I was like, okay, well, thank God. That's so much better than the one that was in Missouri Colors. But then I read this story where this plate that would have easily won, I don't think there's any question, here's the problem with the plate that would have easily won. It looks like conservatives came up with it. You can spot these things. The, the big badass buffalo on it, the, the sunflower isn't like a dainty sunflower. It looks kind of tough and cool. The sunset over the whole thing gives it a, 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 well, it looks like the final scene from a great Western, like Clint Eastwood is riding off into the sunset. That's what it looks like. Or a John Wayne movie. That wasn't going to work for Laura Kelly. That wasn't going to work. Poor Ben Tegmeyer came up with the license plate of a lifetime. I mean, it is just gorgeous, spectacular, and it is not happening in the state of Kansas. No, what is happening in the state of Kansas at Olathe Northwest, the high school all three of my children attended, is they're considering having a high school Satan club. We've talked about furries. We've talked about gender. We've talked about all the stupid crap going on in all the public high schools. Olathe Northwest has a student who they've not named that has petitioned the school and gone through the proper procedure to start a club. And he wants to start the Olathe Northwest High School Satan Club. And it sounds like this kid is legit, that this is not a joke. Although if it turns out it's a joke, that's fantastic. I love that. School hasn't said no. They're considering it. 6,800 people have signed a petition to stop it. A student started that petition. And 6,800 signatures later, they're taking it to the district to stop it. Now, my question is, could an Olathe Northwest student start a terrorism club? Could they start a serial killer club? How about a rapist's club? Could they start a KKK club? But they're considering a high school Satan club. Honest question. I'm, I'm, I'm not making a point here at all. I'm literally asking a question. Would it get to this point? If a student came forward and said, I want to start a high school KKK club, would it get this far to where it's being considered? So they don't know what to do because they believe the student has a right to start this club, but they also don't think the club is right. Nor would a terrorism club be right, nor would a KKK club be right, nor would a serial killer club be right. But they're considering this. They believe that the only way to keep this from happening at this point is not the petitions, which, well, actually it is the petition because the public pressure. You cannot start the Satan Club at Olathe Northwest High School. Uh, folks, I, it's Christmas week for crying out loud. I'm just trying to bring you some information and news and, and fun, and we're talking about a Satan Club at a local high school being considered. They're hoping that the 6,800 signatures and pressure from the public will prevent any faculty member from signing on as the sponsor or supervisor. Because in order to have an official club at the school, a super uh, a member of the faculty has to become the supervisor of that club. And anybody in the club has to report to that teacher. So this would be a teacher coming forward saying, I'm in favor of a Satan club at this high school. I would think that might be the end of your career. But maybe not. But maybe not. Maybe they'd love to have you in California. Or New York, if Olathe kicked you out for something like that. I can't believe the stories that pop up. I absolutely cannot believe them. Our final news item today is Elon Musk. 
who is in a big fight with Disney and some other companies that said, hey, you know, Elon Musk said, if you don't want to advertise on X, go F yourself. We don't want you because we're a free speech platform and we're not going to sit here and push some sort of an agenda. We're going to allow people to say what they say. And he put Alex Jones back on X now, which is very controversial. Apple could be considering removing X from the app store because Alex Jones is back on there. It's all bizarre. It's above my pay grade. But anyway, Elon Musk has been fighting with Bob Iger and the people at Disney. And they pulled their advertising. And so Elon Musk has fought back this week. And he has removed Disney Plus from something called the Tesla Theater. The Tesla Theater is basically like Apple CarPlay for a Tesla, except it's much more. You can watch videos, movies, television, anything in your Tesla. Uh, and if you want to watch Disney Plus, you just open the app right there on your big screen. I used to describe Teslas as a golf cart with an iPad because the screens are huge and people love the, the, people love that about a Tesla as much as anything else is that screen and what it does, which is fine. So he's removed Apple Plus. I'm sorry, Disney Plus from that platform. Now, he has not taken away Disney Plus from any of the drivers who are subscribed to Disney Plus already. He doesn't want to tick off the people that have done it. But every car they've sold that's out there that it doesn't have the app open, downloaded on Tesla Theater, he's just pulled it out. So they can't. And it sounds like going forward, they're not going to offer Disney Plus in the Tesla Theater. So Elon Musk has always got to come back. They're not going to break the guy. He's not going to be broke someday. That's not going to happen. So... I, you know, I just, I, I think Musk has some real flaws, but boy, I like a fighter. I like a fighter. I sure hope they don't get in a position where they get pulled off of uh, iPhones before the election. It sounds like the way he's going, he's, he's flirting with it. Uh, well, I mentioned Roberts Robinson early at the top of the podcast. I was going to mention him here. Hey, if you're looking for a Chevy or GMC, they're the place. They're home of the lifetime warranty. But they really just right now want to say thank you to all of you that sent toys for their toy drive. Thank you so much from our friends at Roberts Robinson. Uh, the Blue Mont Hotel. Maybe some of you are staying around the Blue Mont Hotel for the holidays. You have family in or around the Manhattan area. What a great place to go. It's all decked out. They got decorations up. They're celebrating Christmas the right way around the holidays in Manhattan at the Blue Mont Hotel. It's a wonderful business hotel, but maybe, maybe you've got some family a couple hours away and you want to spend the night or you're going to have Christmas or whatever. Extend it out. You'll, like, you'll love the feel of the Blue Mont Hotel right now around the holidays, bluemonthotel.com, or in the spring or for graduation or on business, consider taking team members to the Blue Mont Hotel sometime in 2024. Maybe a golf outing in the spring, go there, play Colbert Hills, stay at the Blue Mont Hotel, all kinds of things, rooftop patio, world-class facilities, 6,000 square feet of ballroom, classrooms, pre-function area, wonderful location, Blue Mont Hotel in Manhattan, proud sponsors of KKHI, online at Hotel. And if you want to see the Chiefs and Raiders on Christmas Day, I don't know this industry all that well. My guess is the tickets could drop because it's Christmas Day. Keep your eye at ticketsforless.com. If you haven't been to a game this year, the weather looks like it's going to be okay. And if you have the ability to go on Christmas Day to the game, ticketsforless.com may have some real bargains for you this week. You, and then after you get that, see that bargain and you check out, Use the promo code KKHI. That's going to save you another 5 to 15%, depending on the tickets that you buy. Ticketsforless.com. No fees ever. Better Business Bureau rated. Local company with nationwide service for any event, anywhere, anytime in America. Promo code is KKHI. Ticketsforless.com. Love those folks. 
On to sports. Here we go. The Chiefs made a big move. It's not a national headline-grabbing move, but for us who live here and are, are fans of the Chiefs, this is a big move. Like, people were madder at Sky Moore's fumble Sunday that didn't count because of a penalty. I think they were madder at that than Kadarius Tony's juggling act. It's close. Anyway, people don't like Sky Moore. He did catch a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl last year and will forever be remembered for that. Sky Moore was placed on injured reserve yesterday. That means he's out for the season. And Justin Ross, the guy that was in some legal trouble, is back on the roster and ready to go. Justin Ross is, if he can stay out of trouble and stay healthy, a tremendous athlete and prospect at wide receiver. He is the second most talented player they have there behind Rasheed Rice. In fact, I'll say this. He might be more talented than Rasheed Rice. He may have the better body, arm, speed, hands, the whole thing. He may, he may, he is potentially, his ceiling is higher than Rasheed Rice. And this is a big move by the Chiefs. Sky Moore to the injured reserve, Justin Ross back. That's a move, Andy Reid telling the whole team, I'm sick of this crap. And I think Ross is going to get on the field and play. I think this is a bigger move than people know. If we're sitting here in the postseason and Mahomes throws some lofty pass to the corner of the end zone from the 23-yard line, and Justin Ross goes up and catches it with 48 seconds left, and the Chiefs score a touchdown and win a game, don't be surprised. I'm not going to sit here and predict it and say, watch this, he's going to break out, this changes everything. I'm not going that far. I'm telling you over the next six weeks through the regular season and playoffs, if Justin Ross emerges and you see him catching a touchdown pass, remember what you heard right here. Don't be surprised. People at your watch party are going to say, who is that? Who's Ross? Oh, I forgot about him. Who's that? Don't be surprised. He is extremely talented. He is also injury prone, and he also must have an anger management problem. But right now, the Chiefs don't care. They want to win football games. They need to win their last three. Ravens need to lose a couple. They're at the Niners this week. Then they've got, what, the Dolphins and Steelers, maybe? It's all still possible. It's all sitting there for the Chiefs. They have three games that they should win. Doesn't mean they will, but they should win. Everyone in football is losing. The Eagles have lost three straight now. I don't think the Eagles are very good. I didn't, they didn't impress me a lick against the Chiefs. The Chiefs just gave that game away. Here's what I'm watching more and more and more. I'm watching teams blow games, either by not showing up and playing like ass, like the Cowboys on Sunday, or the Eagles, who started 5-0, and because why? Because they won every game late, and they pulled the rabbit out of the hat against the Chiefs, basically. Or the Chiefs shot themselves in the foot, let's be honest. Chiefs gave that one away. And now, teams aren't giving it away against the Eagles. And so, what did the Seahawks do on Monday night? Mizzou quarterback Drew Locke, best drive of his life. Most, most impressive, best thing he's ever done in the NFL. He sat, he sat, he sat. He came, he played last week as Geno Smith's hurt. He was not very good last night, most of the night. And to be honest, on the final drive, he threw some bad passes on some slant routes. He throws them way too hard. He throws them so hard his receivers, even if they're on target, can't catch them. But he throws a lofty ball that's beautiful. And he threw two lofty, deep balls on the last drive. One to Metcalf, you know, 30, 40 yards downfield. And Metcalf went up and got in double coverage. You can call it luck, but it was a beautifully thrown ball, not to an open receiver, just my guy's better than yours. 
And then the touchdown pass, Smith and Jigba got slightly open in the corner of the end zone, and Drew Locke lofted it out there. And if it had gone six inches farther, it would have been incomplete. So it was, in fact, a perfect throw. And his guy caught it barely, but he caught it with 28 seconds left or whatever, and the Seahawks win the game. I did not like Drew Locke's celebration after he did it. He was pointing at his number, me, 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 and then he was F-bombing the camera. I thought that was a little silly, but I understand his excitement. And he made up for it. On-field post-game interview was one of the best things you'll see this year. Truly one of the best things you'll see. He almost cried. But his teammates believed in him, that he'd been drafted by the Broncos. It didn't work out. He signed with Seattle or got traded to Seattle and thought the job was his. Then he lost the job to Geno Smith. Then Geno Smith's hurt. And now this happened. And I understand the emotions. I understand it. I think Drew Locke's a backup quarterback, but I think he's a very good backup quarterback. I think his problem is in the intermediate throws. And I think that showed in this game. But when it came down to the end and you're just chucking that ball up in the air, man, he's got the arm for it. He's got the loft. And the touch and the ball turns over. He throws a beautiful deep ball. He does. Kansas City's own Drew Locke. Huge win. And the Eagles lost. And because they lost to an NFC team. And, you know, the Cowboys got drilled. What was that? 31 to 10 on Sunday? But they got drilled by an AFC team. So, eh, no big deal. The Cowboys just took over first place. <laughs> no, nobody looked worse than the Dallas Cowboys this week in the NFL. And in looking horrible... They take over first place. I love this league. I think Dallas is better than Philly. And I think if they played in the playoffs, I think Dallas would beat Philadelphia in Philadelphia. Now, that's a hard thing to say because Dallas really stinks on the road. I mean, they're really bad. And they must have it in their head. I could be totally wrong on this because they may just get drilled anywhere they go on the road. They may have it in their head now that they just can't win on the road. That's possible. (laughs) But I think they're a better football team than the Eagles by a little. Not a lot, but by, by a little. I just like their offensive weapons a little bit better. But what I'm noticing in this league right now is everybody's losing, except the Niners. The Niners look like the sure thing. Who's going to beat them in the NFC? Well, it looks hard. Looks like the Niners have a, you know, they bought that, what do they call that pass at Disney World? Fast pass? You buy the fast pass and you don't have to stand in line? Looks like the Niners have bought the fast pass. But we're going to have, what, how many many teams we have? 14 teams in the playoffs? The other 13? I don't know, man. AFC? Are you kidding me? It's going to get wild. It's going to get wild. Who's going to play the best down the stretch? Can Buffalo get in? Buffalo may be playing better than any of them, but they're not in right now. They just beat the Chiefs and the Cowboys, and they're not in yet. But the Browns are. Bring on the Browns. Come on. I'll take the Browns at Arrowhead in the first round in a heartbeat. But mostly what we're watching around the league is everybody loses. We can panic and freak out about the Chiefs. Everybody's doing it. So the Chiefs are just more like a normal, really good team this year. But, you know, when they were the one seed, in the one year they they won a Super Bowl without being the one seed, they caught a break. The one got punched out, I think, right? And the Chiefs were the two or the three and got to play at home. They've had all these consecutive championship games at home. But that could happen as the two seed. Anything can happen. But I don't know that there was a year where the Chiefs, we looked at them and were like definitively like, oh, my God, nobody's going to beat them. The first Super Bowl they won, they were down double digits in every single postseason game. It was all drama last year. Every Chiefs fan gave up at halftime last year. Mahomes hobbled off, hurt. The Chiefs were getting their ass kicked. Nobody thought they were going to win that one, and they won the Super Bowl. I just You just can't count anybody out, and you really shouldn't count Patrick Mahomes out. A new player poll reveals he is 
widely, 68% of the players polled believe Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the league. And it's not close. Number two is Aaron Donald, a defensive lineman with the Rams. So this debate is not close. Uh, The rest of the NFL believes that Patrick Mahomes is the most special player in the league, and I think every Chiefs fan believes that as well. Man, the Royals are making a lot of noise this offseason. I don't know how closely you follow baseball or how much you care. This is stunning. You can be a, a, a critic and say, John Sherman, the owner, is only spending money because he wants a new stadium. I don't care. Just make the team better. The Royals might be okay. They introduced Michael Walker yesterday. He's got a two-year contract, player option, second year. But they're paying more for these guys, at least for a year, and then giving player options. Clearly what they're doing is saying, we'll overpay you this year and give you an option beyond that because they want a better record this year because they're going to keep talking about this stadium. So you can be a skeptic on all of this. I'm okay with that. But Seth Lugo can pitch. They signed him, $45 million or something. Michael Walker's in the fold. This guy's been a really good pitcher for a long, long time. Cole Reagans was a freak last year for the Royals after they traded for him from the Rangers. Brady Singer's potential is off the charts. You got to think when the pressure's off him, and he's maybe like the number four guy surrounded by veterans. Pretty cool. And then, I don't know who the fifth starter is, but there's a whole bunch of guys that might have been the two starter last year that could now be the fifth. That alone changes the Royals. They pitched all the free agency, so they say, you're going to be playing with future superstars. Yeah, right. Well, they're taking the money. You sign somebody free agency, it's about the money. But the Royals have traded off their bullpen. They're unloading everyone. They're trading players right and left. This is going to be a completely new look Royals. They're signing an outfielder named Hunter Renfro that's been around for a while. He's 31 years old. They're paying him millions of dollars. He's the kind of guy you can write down to hit like 240, but probably 25 home runs and 80-some RBIs. Give you some pop in your bat in the outfield. He's not a great outfielder. He's got a great arm. He's not a great outfielder. But it's such an improvement. And they're just spending money buying these players. And they're trading everybody away. I think, they, I think J.J. Piccolo said, look, I am not going down with the ship. My owner's given me a chance here to go spend some money and do something and put a team together. This is piecemeal. These pitchers, if the Royals are on a, a four-year-from-now plan, Lugo and Walker don't factor into that. They'll be done. This is more like James Shields. When the Royals traded for James Shields, like, okay, it's been around a while. I think Shields was younger than these guys, but... We need leaders. We need guys that know. We don't need Zach Greinke as a leader. Zach Greinke is not a leader. Sorry, it's ridiculous. He's just not. He's maybe somebody to look at the way he approaches the game or pitches and model yourself and say, I could pitch like that. But he's not really a leader. So they're trying to sign some older guys that are leaders and bring them in. Because Bobby Witt Jr. is going to be the star of this team. Salvador Perez is still an outstanding player. You know, we're talking about a team with, with a little bit of star power here now with those two guys. And if some of the young players who are getting better, obviously, Pasquantino, they believe, is a star. He was hurt all of last year. but They believe he's going to put up big numbers and be a terrific player. And every team in baseball has inquired with the Royals this year, do you want to trade Pasquantino? And they haven't done it. Like the Royals basically said, we'll trade anybody except Bobby Witt. And everybody's calling about Pasquantino. And I think the more calls they get, the more they're like, we better keep this guy. We may have a trio of really serious players here, and we got a little pitching. They've rebuilt the bullpen mostly through trades, but signed a couple free agencies there. I'm not getting too excited. I said I didn't want to address much of this until January, but you can you can see easily right now that the Royals are significantly better than last year. Already. Significantly. Our final final is brought to you by North Kansas City Dental online at nkcdental.com. Give them a call this week if you're off work or next. 
and say, listen, I want to schedule an appointment. I need to get in. It's been a while since I've had a checkup. They absolutely have a strong desire to make you comfortable and at ease at North Kansas City Dental. One of the reasons a lot of people don't go to the dentist regularly is that just they don't like it. Well, you're going to have a good experience. Try it once. See if it's not better than where you've been in the past. NKCDental.com, 816-471-2911. Tall Dr. Bill Bush, I say hello. Advantage Termite and Pest Control would also like to do your lawn care in 2024. That's right. Advantage Termite and Pest Control for the past couple of years has been doing lawn service. They'll put down all your weed prevention, fertilizer, all that stuff. Maintain your lawn. Keep the critters away. Basically, complete exterior and interior pests in your home. AdvantageTPC.com is the website, the phone number for Aaron and his team. 913-768-8989. One payment takes care of all of it. One auto pay. They just do all your services. One company does it all. That's fantastic. Advantage Termite and Pest Control. And Buck Roofing and Construction along with Buck Disposal. I'm going to see Ron this week. I will tell him you said hello. If you'd like to talk to Ron, give him a call and say I'd like a roof inspection sometime in the new year just to see where I'm at. 913-384-2680. Mention the podcast. The roof inspection is absolutely free. And if you're cleaning out a house, selling a home, moving, remodeling, doing anything like that, and you need a, a giant canister, just a dumpster on your property, or if you work in construction or that's your business and you're looking for a better company with local service and local people, buckdisposal.com. That is buckdisposal.com. Our final final is the George Brett documentary on MLB Network. I watched it last night. I missed it when it debuted a week ago or whatever. It was on MLB Network again. And it's the best thing I've seen in 2023. Now, I'm of a certain age. If you listen to the podcast and you're 30 and you didn't see George Brett play and you only know about the legend, I think you'll find it incredibly entertaining to know how big a star a Royals player could be. George Brett was a national phenomenon. He was Patrick Mahomes. We've had, we've had three of our own really here in my lifetime that have, that have just been like major national and international stars. George Brett, Tom Watson, and Patrick Mahomes. Yes, Joe Montana was here. Yes, Bo Jackson was here. But those were short time periods. Uh, Montana was only here a couple of years. Bo Jackson didn't play that long. He was off playing football and doing other things. He never became part of the community. These three people are unique to Kansas City, and this is chronicled. From the hysteria, and they played a clip from the Miss America pageant. And Bob Barker, this is the greatest story I've ever heard. Bob Barker's the host. And he interviews Miss Whatever. And she says, I'd like to be a sports broadcaster when I'm done in pageants. And he goes, oh, really? Do you like sports? She says, yeah, my boyfriend is in sports. And Bob Barker says, who's your boyfriend? And she says, baseball player George Brett of the Kansas City Royals. And he goes, oh, that's quite a great baseball player right there. And she goes, yes, and he's a really nice guy. And then they come out to Brett, who's laughing and scratching his head doing this documentary. And Brett says... (laughs) Brett says it was so uncomfortable. I was literally watching Miss America Live with some friends and a girl right next to me, a girl that he's with. And this woman is on TV saying, George Brett's my boyfriend. Like George Brett had so many women. It was insane. They would throw, Morgana would run on the field and throw herself at him. He was a national phenomenon. He was America's sweetheart. He really, truly was. This documentary is phenomenal. DVR it on MLB Network. Go online to MLB.com, whatever. Any way you can see it, see it. 
Now, my experience was unique because George Brett, around my my life and career, is a central figure. I grew up, and he was my favorite ball player. Emulated the way I played, my batting stance, everything after the guy. Everything. He was my hero, my childhood hero. Then I got into the business, and I covered George Brett because the guy played for 20 years. In the end, in the last game he played, they showed this in the documentary, he kissed home plate at Kauffman Stadium. It was unplanned. He just did it. I was standing there with a man named Scott DeJong, who's a photojournalist at Fox 4. I think he's still working today. We were nominated for three Emmy Awards for our stories that we did on that. I was six feet from George Brett when he kissed home plate, standing on the field. So I'm watching all this stuff and reliving all these things and 3,000 hits and all these stories and memories, and it was just... I'm getting goosebumps talking about it right now. It is a phenomenal view. If you have not seen the George Brett documentary, it's two hours long, and it is unbelievable. This guy, I mean, if he'd been if he'd been a Yankee and all the stuff happened to George Brett that happened to him, he would have been bigger than Mantle, like Jeter, any bigger than any of them. Like his career, he had all these stories around him. Hemorrhoids in the 1980 World Series, the Pine Tar game, all these different things happened to him crazy just an insane career for george brett and it really is remarkable i encourage anyone to watch that as fast as you can it's on mlb our final final today at kevin keatsman has issues kevin keatsman has issues has been presented by roberts robinson chevrolet gmc and is produced by crooked tail media please hit the like or follow button wherever you listen or give us a review for premium content podcasts and weekly newsletter, join as a patron at kkhasissues.com for as little as $5 a month. Support all our sponsors and other conservative businesses at the kklist.com. This has been a production of Cricket Tail Media Incorporated.